Christ, I almost got my ass shut off twice for nothing. Yeah, well, being a cop is a hard job, Jack. The building opened up at 7 o'clock. Wake me up at a quarter to two. I'll be back here asleep. Shit. Jack, tell me a story. Fuck you. Oh, that's one of my favorites. Lights, camera, action. Welcome back to another episode of Happy Hour Films. As you all know, I am Ross Bacon. I'm joined by my co-host, Mike McGuigan. Mike, say hi. How's everyone doing? And as you should know by now, we're a podcast talk. Cracks up a beer and we talk about some movies. Now, we are in week two of our uh, 40th February or uh, Ross's 40th celebration or movies that just turned 40 years old in 2022, if you want to be a dick about it. But uh, this week, we're talking about Poltergeist, 48 Hours, and Fast Times at Ridgemont High. So we got some real bangers going, as the kids would say today. Ross, I, I, I'm going to be honest. I really, really debated naming the episode Movies That Turn Old Like Ross. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yes. The classics. Just like me. <laughs> but before we get into these movies, Mike, we got to talk about what we are drinking. So what do you have? All right. So... I went back to reigning, uh, reigning pumpkin beer of the year as awarded by Mike. Nice, nice. <laughs> Westville Brewery. The coveted uh, award. Very coveted. Uh, huge celebration. There was a plaque ceremony. Everything like it's a big yeah. deal. <laughs> Mayor shut down the town. It was wild. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I I think their profits doubled overnight when they won that award. <laughs> Just for that night. <laughs> I mean, people care that much about what I think of pumpkin beers. That'd be great. Just the random pumpkin beer influencer. <laughs> That's, yeah, beer experts around the world, they're like, well, what do you think of pumpkin beers? Well, we think this, but that guy, Mike, he knows right. his stuff way more than we do. <laughs> you know Happy Hour Films, you know that guy, Mike? Yeah, that guy. <laughs> you know that podcast that has, you know, yeah, a growing listener population. <laughs> they talk about pumpkin beers once a year. Yeah. <laughs> you know those guys. <laughs> they are the foremost authority on pumpkin beer. <laughs> so I have Westville Brewery Blackberry and Honey Milkshake IPA. Interesting. So it's 6.6%, and I am drinking it out of the fishbowl because I feel like that's what Spicoli would want for me this week. You're damn right he would. Yeah, you damn right he would. You want you to order a pizza to your room while you're drinking it, too. That is a, like, I was not sure how these flavors were going to mix, but I really like it. I, I, it could have gone either way. Like, it could have ended up, like, if this was labeled a sour, I probably wouldn't have bought it. Thank God it's not. It, it is an actual IPA. It's not a sour. And it's just a sweet IPA, hints of honey, hints of berries, not too overbearing on the milkshake, like. I would think I would only be able to drink one or two of these, but I could probably kill all four in this episode, and I might try. <laughs> What's the ABV? Uh, 6.6%. Well, that's not bad. Yeah, that's pretty all right. I was thinking more like when there's like lactose. Usually when it's a milkshake IPA, there's lactose, yeah. and like it kind of sits heavy in your stomach, but this yeah. isn't doing that for me. Nice. All right. Well, we'll see if Mike can pound out all four beers. But um, all right. Nicole so would want me to. Yeah, that's 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 what Spicoli wants. Um, and so not what Mr. Hand would want though, but we'll get yeah. into what that guy wants. That's psycho. But um, all right, so 
I'm kind of like, again, like I've been doing recently, I'm finishing up the next three, the last three of my uh, recently crafted six packs. So last week I did three, this week I'm doing three. Uh, or I might have only done two last week. I don't remember how many I got to. But um, all right, so this one is not local, but it's a good uh, brewery. It's Elysian Brewery, which is in um, Seattle, out in Washington. And um, I believe, and I'm going to butcher this, and our Nordic or Swedish listeners can tell me how to pronounce this. It's S-K-A with the little circle on top, L-R-O-K. So I'm going to go with Skullrock or Skullrock or something like that. But it's a Nordic style pale ale and it's got some like black metal can art label, like bottle label and all that. It's cool as shit, but it's uh it's actually really good. It doesn't really have um there's it's an IPA, but it doesn't really have like the um it's not really well, it's not really an IPA, it's a pale ale, but it doesn't have really like the piney taste to it. It's like what whatever this Nordic talking about. Yeah, like whatever this Nordic style is, it makes it a little bit smoother. Oh, I tend to like uh, is Einsberg or Einstock. Einstock, I think Einstock, it is. is, the, yeah. is the Nordic beer. I really like them. So That's I, a good I, one. I guess I like Nordic ales. It's similar. Um, yeah, it's similar. But uh, yeah, it's only 4.9, so it's a good um entry uh entry level. But I mean it kind of fits because the music in Fast Times kicks ass. Yeah, and, uh, I'm a big fan of me, uh big fan of some black metal and uh definitely the band on my uh that's responsible for the one of the other beers i'm going to drink too so but we will get to that when we get to fast times so first though we got to talk about um toby hoopers i mean probably definitely steven spielberg's poltergeist (laughs) we're gonna get that out of the way first and um in case you don't know what this movie is it's they're here (laughs) it's that movie (laughs) what like when people argue what the greatest horror film of all time, I, this doesn't always win. In fact, it doesn't win most cases, but it's in the conversation most times. Right, because the other one that's mentioned is The Exorcist. And it's like, yeah. if I'm comparing the two, I kind of got to go with The Exorcist because that's a little more horrifying straight up. See, <laughs> I'm going to go with, Pol- in terms of overall quality, I like Poltergeist better. Yeah, there's there's some I could see that like there's some parts of the Exorcist that kind of like drag a bit. They're kind of like I love the concept that the ghosts are thinking, "How are we gonna freak the fuck out of this family? Let's show them our bitching furniture balancing skills." Right. Let's make, and that's what I love that. Like with the family, they just kind of like do some normal shit, and like the family just kind of gets used to it. But I love yeah. how like the one camera guys like going and eat, and for one. When that dude puts that chicken wing in his mouth and he's just walking around with it hanging out of his mouth, I'm like, dude, fuck you. You, ha- you have something fucked up has to happen to you. And then the steak just starts walking across the counter. <laughs> oh, oh, that guy. So the steak. How the fuck are you going to steal a porterhouse steak like that? And you're going to pan fry it? You're going to pan fry it? Man, right. Have you never watched Gordon Ramsay, you scumbag? <laughs> right. It's garbage. <laughs> you know you only pan sear a steak and then finish it off in the oven. That's right. <laughs> It's got to be a skill, too. Cast iron skill you got to start it off with. And if you have the time, reverse sear it. Much better. <laughs> this is cooking with happy hour films. <laughs> this episode of Chopped brought to you by Mike McGuigan. <laughs> Break out the Gordon Ramsay impression and the whole episode is just me yelling at this guy. <laughs> right. <laughs> this poor I just, guy I just who had only a little clip in 
Poltergeist. Just... He's like, let me go on and see if I'm mentioned on any off-brand podcast. <laughs> right. And he just starts crying because I'm insulting his cooking skills. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. Come on. It's only a movie. <laughs> well, like, but honestly, how do you have the ball like a porterhouse like that? That's a that's an expensive steak. You have the balls to steal that. <laughs> well, especially in the 80s, it was too. In 82 it was probably a pretty prime cut. But uh and and well, you know, it doesn't money's no object to Craig T. Nelson, you know, it's He's the guy. He's like the dude that's responsible for all of this uh, tracked housing, you know, in suburban California. But uh, yeah, it's like I, it wouldn't matter for him. But like, I do, I do love how the family is kind of like just gotten used to the hauntings. At some point, at one point, they're just like they're they have not slept in days, but they're still just kind of like, like oh yeah, hold on. The uh, the light's gonna flicker a couple more times. Don't worry. <laughs> I also like how they play shuffleboard with the kid in the helmet. Like they just sit him on the floor and go slide him across. Yeah, they sit her down, man. That's so good. Yeah, Heather Aurora, crust in peace. That girl, <laughs> that that girl is fucking adorable. You know, and and terrifying. Terrifying too. Yeah, but adorable because like in the beginning, when her canary dies. And she wants to have, like, she has, like, the funeral form, and she's putting, like, the little napkin over in front of get sleepy, and I'm like, you fucking kid, this is a goddamn canary, and I'm not, I'm not having emotions right now. Like, I am feeling <laughs> for this fucking bird. <laughs> this but at the same time, <laughs> at the same time, rest in peace, but fuck that character for that fucking clown. I'm pretty sure that thing is the reason I'm terrified of clowns. <laughs> Well, the daughter's not the one with the clown. It's the son. <laughs> the son sucks. <laughs> but so why does... I don't get, like, why the clown has to be there. Like, he covers the face. He doesn't... <laughs> you can't stand the thing looking at him at night. Fuck that clown. Yeah, it is. It, it, that is one of those things where it's like, why? Yeah, why are you doing this, kid? Like, why, why wouldn't you just put it in the closet? You know, it's like this kid, kid is going to have some sick sexual fantasies because, like, apparently he likes to have a clown that terrifies him, watch him while he goes to sleep. Like, <laughs> I mean, like, you know, he's a masochist. <laughs> I mean, some some people get off in different ways, you know, like, who are we to judge? The call, I am when clowns are involved. Act, you know? <laughs> You know, you're gonna you are gonna get some serious hate mail from those clown lovers out there, man. And they are there are listen, many of them. <laughs> listen, I won't kink, kink shame for many things, but being into being scared, not even just being into clowns, being into being scared of clowns, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> oh man. Again, like I've like I've I've had some out there um opinions on this podcast, like pro cannibals. And if you're gonna fuck a clown, go for it. I'm I'm down for it. You know, if you're gonna dress up like a clown and get and get down. Go for it. I'm all about it. I encourage it, actually. Unless we're talking Tim Curry, because you know he's a gem. Then, <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, if, if you're dressed up like Tim Curry's Pennywise, or if you're banging Tim Curry's Pennywise, then good for you. Just, just yeah, yeah, I, oh. I salute you to that. Yeah, but absolutely. Any Why other that? clown related, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> but then, I mean. Now let's let's get into the fact that this is in no way directed by Toby Hooper. There is no fucking way that Texas Chainsaw Massacre's Toby Hooper directed any of this movie. It's all Steven Spielberg. Everything about this movie is Steven Spielberg. Yeah. I mean, even down to the and even though he's a producer, he can still make it happen this way. Even down to all the Star Wars references that he does, because 
80s Spielberg did that shit all the time. He was like, hey, look, I know George Lucas. Yeah, we fucking know. We know you two are amazing and you got together for Indiana Jones and then George sucked ass. Yo, but- how old was this kid with an a- fuck? He had an alien poster on his wall. He had a fucking alien poster on his wall. How old was this kid? Those are some bad parents. He was he was like 10, if that. But the better, well, the better thing is, speaking of the parents, the better thing is the older daughter who spends most of this movie at a French house. Yeah. <laughs> She's there to get terrified once and just be like, oh, I'm going to be at a French house, you know? And make a reference to the fact that she knows about the motel off the highway at, towards the end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You don't want to know how, uh, how that happened. It's probably a reason why she's never at home. I think it's because she's making money at that motel. But... But like, yeah, but this, this, this whole movie, I mean, an adorable little kid is at the center of everything. Um, it's a parent, it's parents struggling with a, like, a, um, with some sort of difficulty. It's a family difficulty. It's the only issue is that these parents aren't getting divorced. You know, like that's not Steven Spielberg's real, um, like that's his uh, like trademark when it comes to families, you know, your, your parents have to have some sort of volatile issue between them, but these Craig T. Nelson and his wife do not. They, they're just like getting high in bed and um, talking about, you know, the potential hauntings of the house. Yeah. But it, the whole, every shot of this is all Steven Spielberg. There, none of this, especially given Toby Hooper's like movies after Texas Chainsaw Massacre could possibly be him. I mean, it's all Spielberg. And that's the thing, like with this movie, the, the legend of it is it to this day, even with Toby Hooper being dead, it still hasn't come out who actually directed this movie. You know, it's so that leads me to believe that since Spielberg is still alive, he's still keeping that secret, you know? <laughs> and then you also have, so this movie is one of those very cursed movies in Hollywood. Allegedly. Allegedly. I mean, allegedly. This one, this one, when you first, like, just, just looking at it on the surface, Mm-hmm. of the sister for one dying like getting strangled by her ex-boyfriend on like halloween night or something um heather o'rourke the daughter having her um intestinal stenosis or whatever it is and dying like in the middle of record i think number three or two or three one of the two um or like right before it but mm-hmm. then there's like the real corpses and something else it's like well all of these can be explained like her she just the other work just had a horrible horrible illness you know it's just a horrible illness for her that's not a curse she had it when she was filming you know but the the daughter the older daughter getting strangled and killed by her ex-boyfriend that's unfortunate but it didn't exactly happen on the set of this movie you know like the corpses the real corpses the real skeletons they were just dirt cheap and so that's why they use them you know yeah like, none of this is a haunting, per se. I mean, The Exorcist has a few more, you know, you know, stories that kind of hold up a bit more. But this one is just a series of, like, bad events that happen to people in it. And it's not like they were particularly weird, you know? <laughs> so, the fact that real corpses show up in the movie, that's, that's fucking wild. Like, that's the 80s, though, man. That's the yeah. 80s. And now... One thing with this movie, Tangina. What kind of uh, shit? Zelda Rubenstein? Yes. Zelda awesome, Rubenstein awesome is character. Fucking so asshole of a psychic. This house oh, yeah. is clean. Fuck you. No, it's not. You, <laughs> yeah. If you were a real psychic, you would have known that that fucking clown still had a demon in it. <laughs> 
well, she was probably just glancing over because it's a clown. She was kind of like, eh, probably it's a clown. It's evil to begin with. <laughs> I can't get rid of that anyway. It's, it's an evil clown. <laughs> yeah that's true but but she's the best like if you and the weirdest thing is though as good as this movie is and as together and like solid as it is if you take her out of the movie it it kind of falls apart like it, yeah. it just becomes a mildly entertaining haunting house haunted house movie but with her in it she just brings like this level of weird energy to it that is also like the same time you're like i fully believe everything about this woman is true you know (laughs) like she's not nuts she's like legitimately a psychic and she just her personality sells it you know (laughs) no can we talk about the like the first set of like i can only imagine that they are the inspiration for shit tv shows like ghost hunters the first set of paranormal experts they bring in <laughs> these dudes that my favorite part about these guys is they're talking to the the mother and they're trying to just like the two camera guys the black guy and the white guy the glass that eats the chicken with like an asshole they're discussing other stuff happening and this is after they have seen shit go down <laughs> Like yeah. they have seen shit go down. And then the white guy's still like, you know, maybe it could be a uh, static, a radio static that's uh, introducing this. It's like, um, no, <laughs> you have seen shit happen, dude. It is real. <laughs> that fucking piano was moving. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then, and oh, that's what it is. I want to make sure it's not humidity. Are you yeah. fucking kidding me? <laughs> In Southern California. Okay, sure. You know, I've known humidity has been known to stack chairs and pyramids. Yep, it's your Ghostbusters quote. No, no human being can stack books this way. You know? <laughs> no, no humidity. <laughs> humidity couldn't have been involved with this. <laughs> now, the uh, the hallucination scene where he's looking at himself in the mirror and like peeling his skin off and. I, I mean, I prefer that to shitty CGI. I do. Oh, like, I prefer that type of practical. It actually is kind like, despite how bad it does look, it is yeah. kind of charming watching yeah. something like that now. It's but definitely did you notice very good, that yeah. the cleaning bottle changes in the uh, hallucination? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, continuity. <laughs> Who's in charge of continuity here? Who's the script supervisor? That is one thing with this out. movie. The continuity on cuts is terrible. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> it's and that's kind of like a hallmark of spielberg too it's kind of like i'm 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 making this spectacle they're not going to notice the little shit until the vcr becomes really really popular you know so why don't we just do it it's it's like jurassic park with the t-rex coming through the over the barrier it's like well two seconds later there's a hundred foot drop there you know how did that dinosaur do that with normal size legs you know (laughs) but it's there's there's so much um, I'm, I'm trying to think there's the, the sequence from when, um, it's okay. It's the sequence of when the black guy's talking about filming a truck, like it was like a toy truck or like a regular truck or something moving. And he'd had to speed it up over seven hours to get the time-lapse going. And he clearly says that's a haunting. And then Craig T. Nelson just being like, like casually just being like, uh-huh sure and then he yeah. opens the bedroom and everything and it's spinning going crazy 
that right there is like a wordless Spielberg sequence right there. Like that's not Toby Hooper. That is a Spielberg well, that, deadpan comedy right there. I, I do love when uh when uh Tangina comes in the house and they're like, the heart's in that room. She's like, this house has many hearts. Well, yeah, but only one of them has a fucking ghost vortex. <laughs> right. Let's yeah. focus on I, that one first there, Tangina. Right. I would say that there's one focal point <laughs> and maybe we just see what's going on elsewhere. But yeah, the, I would say the biggest heart is probably in the bedroom. <laughs> and then the kitchen. I mean, like, yeah, the they, the ghosts in there like to rearrange furniture and give you an in-house slip inside, but like, right. eh, what's the big deal about that? <laughs> right, and if you're if you're an outsider, they uh, they make you look like you were eating maggots, you know, yeah. <laughs> and they'll fuck with your face and all that. But if you're within the family, they're cool with you, you know, they're all right, you know. But they'll give you a little slidey slide. <laughs> you just get to fly around. I'm sure it'd be fun. But um, yeah, it's. <laughs> but then, of course just some general you know casting in this if you ever watch brooklyn 99 the first guy we see with the six bet with the beard riding his bike that's dirk blocker that's hitchcock from brooklyn 99 <laughs> <laughs> and i was like I was, every time i see him i'm like hey it's hitchcock but um then of course we have pool guy number two or pool worker number two who we'll talk about um next is sonny landham who you may also know as Billy and Predator. <laughs> he, uh, he had a pretty big 80s. He had, uh, he had this, obviously, he had 48 hours in the same year, and then, of course, Predator in 87. But, yeah, I mean, there's there's so many, like, watching these movies, and, like, you see the people that are in them, you're like, even Craig T. Nelson's boss is, like, one of those, like, 80s actors where you're like, he's in shit, but you don't know who the hell he is, you know? <laughs> so can we talk about the scene when he's, like, when he comes over to the house and he's like, oh, why haven't you been at work? And they're trying to hide the haunting from him and they're being followed by a piano. <laughs> I'm like, well, maybe if you let him see that, he'd be like, oh, oh, yeah. yeah take off some more time if you need to. <laughs> right. Yeah, I need to find a way to uh, cover up the fact that I only moved the headstones and now it's yeah. all coming back to haunt me, literally. <laughs> you know? <laughs> It's like you only move the headstones, you never move the bodies. But yeah, it's okay. Hey, rule number one when you're building shit over an ancient era burial ground of some kind, don't don't <laughs> yeah, just don't. <laughs> or if you do, make sure you properly move those remains, you know. <laughs> now, so we live near Route 55, and there was an true. area on Route 55 that was famous for. Like, it was part of weird New Jersey, I believe, that was kind of famous for being built over a Native American burial ground. My mom had, a mis- like, a weird car accident off of it. Nice. <laughs> like that section. Uh, do you think that that's actually, like, a haunted area? Probably. Oh, I'd say it definitely is. Yeah, there's, like, I, I'm not, okay, I'm not the first person to be like, let's go hunt ghosts. You know, like mysterious sounds. Ooh, that's gonna be a ghost. You know, it's I'm I, I'm never gonna watch any ghost hunter shows or any shit like that. But like, there are times where like you see an animal barking at nothing, yeah. or like a kid will say some little kid will say some shit, and you'll be like, how the hell do you know that? And then it's like <laughs> you find out that like it's kind of widely accepted that kid, little kids, and animals can see ghosts, and you're like, oh. Oh, that's weird. And then, of course, you know, you hear shit like that on Route 55. There's car accidents all 
all long 55 and they're never normal you know it's never like it was raining no it's like it was bright and sunny and someone flew into a tree how (laughs) it's like and so yeah oh i believe it and then if you get farther down 55 you start to get into like um I just like to call it, you know, ID channel documentary land because yeah. like the houses are separated far enough that if you kill your family, no one's ever going to know, <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> you know, it's, I, I could absolutely see that being a haunted area. Absolutely. It's funny. I have two ghost stories. Both were in Gettysburg. Nice. Got which some of course Civil War is like, if anywhere is going to be haunted, Gettysburg is going to be haunted. Oh, Absolutely. The first of which, me, my dad, and brother actually signed up to do, like, a ghost hunting thing while we were there. I was probably, I was going into my senior year of high school, I think. And we go in this house, and they're like, someone committed suicide here. We're not going to tell you the name, but uh, sometimes someone will pick it up. And then we get back, and they're like, does anyone know the name? I was like, is it Rachel? And they're like, yeah. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> and then we were like, did they just say yeah to anyone? And then we like googled the house and everything. And it was like, no, that was that was the name. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> and then the, the other time the was more recently. It was 2020. Me, Dan, and a couple of our friends uh just kind of went up there. We decided to do like a overnight thing, go walk around. There's like a couple haunted areas that we wanted to go to at night. We're out in one of the areas at night, and we hear, like, muskets firing. And it's, like, 11 p.m. We're out there. (laughs) Not usually the time for the recreations. So probably, uh, probably definitely ghosts. (laughs) Either that or, like, crazy Pennsylvanians, but we weren't about to stick around to find out. (laughs) I mean, I think even the crazy Pennsylvania, like, hillbilly Pennsylvanians have graduated to uh, modern weaponry. I don't think they're still firing muskets and shit. But yeah, I mean, it's just fucking Civil War, man. Shit's going to be haunted. Like, that's, again, like, not, not a number one believer of ghosts here, but I can, I get it sometimes. Like when they say like, oh, it's serious trauma and all places like, well, yeah, the civil war was kind of a big part of that American history. You know, I can see some civil war goes oh, off. And we were that, we heard the gunshots when we were walking in the woods around what's called Saks Covered Bridge, which is apparently a bridge that they used to hang Confederate soldiers off of. So yeah, see some like evil shit happened. And then like, like Salem, Massachusetts is not a place I would ever live near. You know, it's like, yeah, you hear some, you hear somebody going through like uh, being named as like, what was it like, you know, what they call them, like good fellow or good lady, good wife or some shit. Like you hear somebody's last name being that, just wrong, just fucking wrong. Cause they're probably a ghost. <laughs> now, I, I got, I got news for you. How far are you from Mount Holly? Well, Mount Holly just right up the road. It's right for 38. That was the second biggest witch hunt in the United States behind Salem. Yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> there was about how it well, makes there sense. was a well there called the Witch's Well that yeah. they would throw witches down. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, again, makes perfect sense. <laughs> it's fucking Mount Holly. <laughs> again, if you're walking around Mount Holly, like virtual hospitals there, some shit is going down. There are ghosts around there. Oh, apparently <laughs> the Jersey Devil's grave is there. Actually, I yeah. went and I went and saw me and me. Me and Dan had our ghost hunting phase. Like we we did <laughs> that. Like shit. <laughs> we uh we did the uh the whole weird New Jersey road trip shit. Like I've been to the gates of hell in Clifton. <laughs> well, that's just Clifton. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just Clifton. Right. Yeah, that's, that's just a sign that says Welcome to Clifton. You're like, oh, this is the gates of hell. Interesting. <laughs> our, our featured guest, Ray, ha- lives in Clifton. Right. And Ray will probably attest to the fact that yeah, it's the gates yeah, of hell. Yeah, I'm sure Ray would agree. <laughs> <laughs> What's it like growing up in the gates of hell? <laughs> well, as a child, it was warm, <laughs> smelled like sulfur a lot. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, I mean, yeah, New Jersey's got like, New Jersey's got some fun, like little, yeah. you know, spots and all that. But as far as like full on like poltergeist thing, I don't know, man. I don't think I've seen any houses implode. I mean, that'd be cool, but I don't think I've seen it. <laughs> yeah, those <laughs> neighbors were oddly okay with walking closer to a spiritual vortex sucking in a house. There's at one point when they're driving away, there's flames shooting up from a fucking fire hydrant. You know, if you yeah. see that shit, I'm moving. Run. I'm moving. <laughs> I mean, well, number one, if I wake up and my daughter is talking to the television static, we're leaving. We are just leaving. <laughs> it's it's like Eddie Murphy. And I think we used the clip on another our previous episode. It's when he does his poltergeist bit, you know, where he's like, yeah, I, my daughter, she's stuck in a TV. I, 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 I didn't want to. I just want to tell you. So when she doesn't show up to school, you don't think I, I killed the bitch or nothing. You know, it's like she is in the TV set. You know, it's like, what well, did you try changing the channel? It's like, yeah, I'm a man. All right, you know, I changed it. Didn't work. I got the fuck out. You know. <laughs> well, can you imagine if only the vortex worked both ways and you could just have a catch with a softball through the spirit dimension? That'd be so much fun. Yeah. Well, if you could like go in the uh in the spirit realm and just kind of hang out and not have to be like the slave of whatever that demon was, <laughs> or even not even go like if you got some cool ghost, there's a little vortex, you, you chill, you just have a softball and just have a catch with them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all those ghosts weren't evil, you know, there was yeah. only the one that was the beast, you know, but yeah, the other ones just like were just kind of hanging out, they were just kind of floating around, going yeah, by, stacking you know? furniture, they thought they were helping with the interior designing. Right, they're probably just practical jokers, you know, like, oh, let's fuck with her with the chair. Let's do the chair thing. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, oh, go, okay, like, we do the chair oh, thing. They, we got to do the floor slide thing. Okay, that's fine. We can do it. <laughs> they're like the little kids sitting on the slippery floor. Let's uh, give them a little push. Have some fun with this. Right. Yeah, it's like, oh, look, the mom's getting in there. Oh, She's I, marking the floor off and all that. <laughs> I do believe it was the good ghost that fucked with the guy that stole the steak. Those ghosts yeah. were like, hey. This guy's a bastard. Let's fuck with him. This guy sucks. Look, look, look at that asshole with the chicken wing in his fucking mouth, the gaping prick. <laughs> Man, uh, that steak is so expensive. We can't right. let him get away with that. This is still 1982, right? It's like, well, I know we were killed 50 years ago, but this is still 1982, right? The price is not that much, uh, not much better. But, yeah, so, I mean, overall, this movie is, it's just, it's just a good, it's, I, there are times where I'm like, really, this is almost a two hour movie, but it's, yeah. it's, it's good. It's, it's, it's definitely a quotes, Toby Hooper movie <laughs> more like, I mean, the biggest clue is when the uh, end credits pop up normally in every other movie, the first end credit you say is directed by whoever yes. in this one, it's executive producer, Steven Spielberg. It's like, well, <laughs> Uh, I think I know what you did there, Steve. <laughs> you know, it's a Steven Spielberg production, is what it says. So I, it's like I think I know what you did. You know, <laughs> you, you kind of uh, you just put yourself in there, didn't you, buddy? <laughs> you know. <laughs> but all right. So, how is your beer, Mike? I would say I'm about through one. It's hard to measure in the fish the fish bowl, uh, but it is delicious. You should put lines on that thing. 
I should put live, but then I don't know. It takes a little bit of the fun away of guessing at how many beers I've had. <laughs> it's America's favorite game. How many beers has Mike had? How many well, beers? Fish bowl holds about three 16 ounces. I only pour two in usually to make it a little more manageable. <laughs> I add to it as I finish. <laughs> I'm just but um Westville hit it out of the park with this one. I, I really like it. Yeah, they're usually pretty good. But um, all right, yeah, my uh my skull rock or scal rock or skull rock or skull rick or something by Elysian was really good. Just a really like easy drinking, smooth pale ale. Now on to the um the next one. Now, this is brewed by Ale Asylum, which I'm trying to... It's in Madison, Wisconsin. Now, it is Road Crew, and it's by Motorhead. <laughs> and it is an American pale ale, which is ironic because Motorhead was British. But... <laughs> Ooh, that's pretty good. Oh, there's like a little... um. A little bit of a sour note in it, but um. So hint of sour is usually pretty good. When it tastes yeah. like a warhead, that's when I'm out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is, yeah. This is a good. It's a good start, and it's got this like sourish finish, which is still really good. But um, yeah. I mean, Motorhead again, one of the fucking all-time greats, legendary bands. Ace of Spades, R.I.P. Lemmy, a.k.a. God, a.k.a. as we pointed out in our previous Airheads episode. Uh, who would reign the uh, wrestling match, Lemmy or God? Answer question, Lemmy is God, as we all know. But now we can move on to 48 Hours, directed by Walter Hill, who also did The Warriors, Brewster's Millions, Red Heat, a.k.a. Schwarzenegger, and the Unbelushi. Uh, another 48 hours, of course, and Bullet to the Head, which was uh, Sylvester Stallone versus Jason Momoa in a not good movie. But this movie, on the other hand, well, let's just get out of the way first. I When we were watching this, I'm watching this movie, a little bit into it. I'm like, I texted Mike. I'm like, all right, first thing we're going to do when we focus on the comedies of this week, we're going to see how well the comedy holds up. Yeah. Now, in this one... There's half and half. Eddie's, Eddie Murphy's holds up real well. Nick Nolte's, on the other hand, is really just racism. Yeah. <laughs> it's just horrifying racism. <laughs> yeah, Nick Nolte's character, Jack, is a real bastard for, like, 95% of the runtime. And even when he apologizes, yeah, Eddie Murphy's got the best response to it. And... It's where is it? It's doing your job, doing your job. Don't explain everything, man. And I was like, that's such a great way to say, all right, I grudgingly accept your apology, but at the same time, you're still a racist asshole. You know, <laughs> I was like, that's so, it's so perfect, but still it's like, wow. And even like the police chief calls him the N word. And, and then like, there's this look on both their faces. Like, did he just say that? And he's like, yeah, I called him an N word. And I was like, Whoa, this police chief is black. <laughs> what is happening right now? <laughs> I was like, we're just going to throw that out there. Okay. <laughs> now, so Nick Nolte, total racist in this movie. Well, yeah. I'll say, I'm not going to say Nick Nolte is a racist. I'm going to say 
Jack Cates, Nick Nolte's character. His character is, is very much racist, yes. Now, his comedy doesn't hold up, but does the character hold up as a cop in the early 80s in California? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but then again, it is. Isn't this the San Francisco PD? Yeah. This isn't the LAPD. So, Not yeah. The LA. it's, it's probably right for a guy that would probably get transferred or got transferred from yeah. the LAPD, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like he probably did something so racist just after this that they transferred him down, <laughs> or he did something too racist for the LAPD and they transferred him up. You know? Listen, you got requested the the LAPD was scouting you. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, you got to tone down the races if you want to stay up here, or else they're gonna get you. <laughs> they're gonna take you down there, man. <laughs> you don't work in the big racist city. But yeah. this just. Just right off the bat, the casting of this movie is fucking great. Like Eddie Murphy and Nick Nolte, this is Eddie Murphy's first movie, and he kills it. Like he oh, really yeah, does. I love Eddie Murphy in this movie. There's a couple parts where you can tell he's kind of like unsure of himself, which is weird for Eddie Murphy. But again, being your first movie, it's understandable. Yeah. Whereas like Beverly Hills Cop. That is confident Eddie that everyone became just instantly fell in love with. And Nick Nolte playing his partner is perfect because he's got to be a gruff dick asshole. And that's what Nick Nolte plays the best. And then, of course, we got James Remar, who's a great villain in this. We have Sonny Landon, who we mentioned. He's his number two. And then, of course, there's the other the, the little characters of David Patrick Kelly who you may know as Sully in um, in um, Commando, or you may know him in The Warriors as Warriors, come out and play. He's that guy. I thought he looked familiar, and I didn't look into it much more. Or if you've seen The Crow, he is T-Bird in The Crow. <laughs> but there's also Brian James, who we'll talk about in a couple weeks when we talk about um, Blade Runner, because he's uh, Wake Up time to die he's that guy and uh then of course there's jonathan banks who this is his original form jonathan banks as opposed to his breaking bed now form which is bald gruff and been chewing gravel for the last 40 years in this one he's still got hair he still looks fairly normal and he's just a regular regular dude you know it's funny now my favorite version of nick nolte is uh is four leaf from <laughs> I was gonna say General Four Leaf Tabak from Chopping yeah. Thunder? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was I in the shit. <laughs> I just know the sound it makes when it takes a man's life. You take him off the fucking grid. <laughs> but and even it's even better than that because you know, at seeing that movie, he's a fraud. <laughs> so yeah. it's, it's even better. I just know the sound it makes when it lies. <laughs> right. <laughs> It's just, you have hands. Like, you got hands. What the fuck did you get hands? But it's when you see him in this, it's weird because he's like, you can almost understand. I think, and I didn't do the research on this, but I think he was named People's Sexiest Man for some year. And like, you can almost see it. Like, you look, you go, 1982 Nick Nolte kind of looked like a, he looked like a, like a almost ruggedly handsome. You know, like like a guy, like a handsome dude with character, as opposed to the Nick Nolte now, which is, I don't know, just personified crocodile, maybe, <laughs> you know, yes. leather crocodile, I guess I'd go with. <laughs> 
but like Cape Fear Nick Nolte, that's a good one. You know, that's that's a sexy man right there. I guess it is. I mean, I'm not afraid to say it. I'm not afraid to. I'm not afraid to be on. Um, to be on pro cannibal, pro clown fucking, pro good looking uh, Nick um, Nick Nolte. You know, I'm you fine know, being on that. Ross is on a strange team. Hey, I wonder you know. how many other. I wonder how many other people are pro all three of those things. I bet you don't find too many individuals. You'll find you'll find a handful for pro each. We're a small group, but we're an elite group. I'll tell you that. <laughs> and oddly <laughs> enough, the uh, pro sexy Nick Nolte is the smallest group of the. <laughs> yeah, weirdly enough, yeah, that tab on uh, that section of Pornhub is very small. <laughs> the rest much Listen, larger. The, uh, the cannibals and the clown fuckers all outnumber the Nick Nolte horn dogs. <laughs> Damn right they do. Yeah. But um <laughs> but, it's, but it's like it's weird because like you're looking at it, like you just ex- like you expect now to like obviously having if you were seeing this in 1982, you'd be seeing, you know, a Nick regular Nick Nolte. But now you have we have the the benefit, I guess I'll say, of seeing him after 1982 and then looking back at me like, again, like his original form, you know, it's like, yeah. this is what he originally looked like, <laughs> as opposed to the creature he's become, much like a man we'll talk about with the next movie. <laughs> but, <laughs> it's it's very, it's weird, like, to go back into these movies in 1982 and see so far, like, with all of them, see the original form of Dolly Parton see the original form of bill shatner like before he kind of became you know plastic surgery victim and then of course we got nick nolte here we have even craig t nelson to an extent he's kind of he's aged better than the rest but still it's you know you look at these people you're like holy shit and then like you look at eddie murphy and like he he's kind of like black paul rudd dude hasn't aged much you know yeah eddie murphy (laughs) still kind of he's kind of um He's matured. That's about it, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, this the one scene that like really stands out to me is the uh, the redneck bar. It's the best scene in the movie. It's it's it hands down the best scene in the movie. But, and it's apparently, I think, all improvised by Murphy. I think that wouldn't surprise me at all because he he kills it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but. But I'm gonna say a redneck. Now it is San Francisco, so it's not. A, if it was an LA redneck bar, I don't know if things would have gone as well. <laughs> no, they'd probably be more biker gang than anything. Yeah. <laughs> well, also, what section of San Francisco has redneck has a heavy redneck population that they have like a super country bar? Like, it, does, does that ex- San Franciscoans? Does that exist? <laughs> yeah yeah they're not are they san franciscans or are they are something else because i know there's something they don't like being called and it's like they don't like oh they don't like it when you call it frisco that's what they don't uh, like yeah. they don't like when you call it frisco but um i like I my think, name san franciscanians san, san franciscanians yeah i like it it's a mouthful but it's good i like it but um but it's like it's like angelinos it's like well no I'm not, I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> you're from LA. That's it. And that's all we say. You just say you're from LA. You're not an Angelino. <laughs> you're not, you're not an Italian mobster's little brother, you know, <laughs> but the, the thing with this is, you know, it's, I think with the redneck bar, there was probably even for 1982, even for 1982, I think the intention was probably to have it be a gay bar. 
And then someone somewhere was probably like, wait a minute, this might be too much, you know, homophobia or hate, like hate speech. If we make it rednecks, we're good because it works with the black guy and the racism, which obviously is absolutely right. Because the whole movie is about essentially racism and learning to love the other, uh, the other folks, um, people that aren't the same race as you. And mostly if you're white, learning to not be an asshole racist, but I, I think at one point it was probably a gay bar and someone probably said that it was like, Hey, this might be this. I know this is 1982. So we're probably cool with this, but it's still, I think too much for 1982. So we need, we need to make it racist. And they're like, I guess, <laughs> you know, Hey Eddie, can, Hey Eddie, can you do some racist race, uh, racial jokes? He's like, Oh yeah, I got it. We're good. <laughs> Which but honestly I think makes it because like that scene makes the racism theme of the movie work a lot better. If Eddie Murphy doesn't get that scene of fighting back, kind of, yeah. then it becomes a green book situation where it's literally just dickhead white racist learns that they need to not be dickhead white racist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they need to learn to love. But... No, well, that's the thing. Like, but the lead into that scene too is great because yeah. Eddie Murphy's talking to Nick, Nick Nolte about the bar, like because he knows about the bar, and it apparently when he before he went to jail was essentially a black bar, and he's talking to Nolte. He's like, "Look, man, you're going to go in there. They're going to know you're a cop. You got to let me lead and whatever." So when they do walk in the door and they see that it's a redneck bar now, it's kind of like, "Oh." How's he going to get out of this one? <laughs> you know, because yeah. he's got to pretend to be the cop in this, and that might yeah. not work. <laughs> and Nolte just sits at the bar, just kind of like, I'm going to let him go. <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, we just start shattering the glasses. Yeah. It's, that's, it's so good when he turns, you know? And then at the end, he, he kind of does the, um, kind of like his, his bit in trading places when he's rich in the bar and he's like, he's like, ladies, you know, he yeah. does that. <laughs> it's kind of like the same thing as that in that movie, but it's, yeah, it's so good. But my favorite part is when they pull, and it's, it's a big plot hole in this movie because it, it makes the entire movie not make sense when it's revealed. In the beginning of the movie, James Remar has broken out of prison. He's broken out of his chain gang. And he takes David Patrick Kelly and his girlfriend hostage, essentially pulls him at gunpoint into a car. He needs the money that we find out that Eddie Murphy and David Patrick Kelly stole and is in Eddie Murphy's car in a parking garage. Now, David Patrick Kelly tells James Remar that he can't get the money until Monday morning. Now, that's the titular 48 hours that passes. Mm -hmm. And we find out that. It's in a parking garage. That's the building he's talking about later when Eddie and Nick roll up to it. And there's big signs all over the parking garage that says all day parking. It doesn't say all weekday parking. It says all day parking. So, A, why do they have to wait until it opens at 7 a.m.? B, why do they have to wait till Monday morning if you're if you're James Remar? But the best is now they have to wait and they're in the car and Eddie Murphy hops in the back, puts his jacket over. He's going to go to sleep and he's got his eyes closed and he goes, Jack, tell me a story. And Nick Nolte turns and goes, fuck you. And he's like, oh, that's one of my favorites. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, that's so good. (laughs) Now, what I want to know is, 
what who owns this parking garage and is just letting eddie murphy keep his car there indefinitely and apparently they charge the battery like every month or something like that did you catch that line no yeah at one point he's like as he says um david patrick kelly goes to pick it up with the ticket and he's like he's like oh and charge the battery and the guy's like yeah we do that every month it's like what kind of fucking parking garage is this? That's, that's a high ser- quality service parking garage right there. But it also leads me to believe that it's like a long-term one for everybody, yeah. you know? Nobody's using that thing short-term. If that's yeah. a service you provide, you're expecting cars to be dead in your, in your garage after a while. <laughs> but I guess that's the parking garage you go to when you have a lot of money in your trunk and are going to jail. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yet, yet they'll charge the battery, but they won't wash off the dust that accumulates. It's <laughs> like three years worth yeah, of yeah, dust yeah, on yeah, this yeah, car. Yeah. You, you, know, you know how much it costs to get a car detailed? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Or to get like the detailing bits like shopped into the garage. You know, that, yeah. must, that must suck for them. So, yeah, I guess. But this movie also, it adds another movie to my um, LAPD shared cinematic universe. Now it adds obviously 48 hours to my lethal weapon, diehard ricochet shared cinematic universe because of one guy. And it's Matt Landers. He plays Bob. He works for the S San Francisco PD. He's the guy that helps Nolte get Eddie out of jail. He's also in diehard. He's the get the car cop. He's in... He's in Lethal Weapons deleted scenes as a SWAT team officer. And in Ricochet, he's another cop, I believe. I can't, I'm trying, I can't remember um, who he plays in that movie because he's not the one you should be remembering for that movie. But he plays, he's in this. So I'm like, this dude had a career as a cop actor. But now, since he's only playing California cops, <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> like he's creating his own little universe here. Because this is 82. This is before all the others. So this yeah. could be the start of that character that ends up in uh, Ricochet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, oh, what a, what a great, what a great little, like, world this would be, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Just I'm knowing trying to that think this dude... how Dodgeball could fit into that universe. Because <laughs> with who? <laughs> uh, so patches a hula hand? Are you talking about here? <laughs> no, uh, Justin Long. Okay, he is in Live Free or Die Hard. Yeah. Okay. Well, that would okay. only connect between that would only connect him to Bruce Willis. He would only connect to John McClane. True. Whereas Matt Landers has been with a police force that's been involved with all of these movies. <laughs> all right, it's like saying Jeremy enough. Irons fits in because he's the brother of um, Alan, Alan Rickman. You know, it's... Yeah. Well, yeah, at that point, everyone in the Lethal Weapon franchise fits in too because it's in Lethal Weapon franchise, you know? <laughs> but... But, or, I mean, even then, you could... You could kind of link in Sonny Landham because he could get sent into the military but then again he'd have to quickly establish himself as a special forces operative and he could be a predator you know so that would draw predator into this world as well <laughs> but yeah it's this this whole movie is it's so it's so good for it being like 
one of the original like buddy cop movies. And this is the movie that started the trope, essentially. You know, you get you get together, you get your comedian and your straight man. And that's how you get your rush hours. That's how you get your um, even Beverly Hills cop to an extent. You know, you get all that. You get the buddy cop trope from this movie, except everybody else was like, maybe we won't have something to say about racism. Maybe we'll just have jokes. It's like, oh, okay. And then you hit rush hour and it's like, well, maybe we'll have jokes about Asians. You know, it's like, maybe those, maybe that'll be our racist jokes. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That, that does tend to happen in buddy cop movies, doesn't it? But it's usually a black guy and a white guy, you know, or it's, it's, or it's two opposites that shouldn't be working together, you know? And Whereas, like, in the other guys, it's the opposites are two white guys, but they're a nerd yeah. and a jock, essentially, you know? It's, yeah. It's, you learn to dance like that sarcastically? Exactly. <laughs> the way you pee, it's feminine. <laughs> you said the way I pee is feminine. <laughs> you put thought into that. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, this this movie, it's... I haven't seen another 48, 48 hours in quite some time, so I can't remember if it, like, holds up as well but again like if you take the racist like the racist jokes out of this or at least make them serve more of a point than just the one revelation at the end for him to be like oh i guess you're okay you know it's it's really like a whole lot of racism and then suddenly it's like oh i guess you're all right but still kind of a racist you know but you're yeah. like quote unquote one of the good ones you know it's like oh well, if that's just not a kick in the nuts, you know, it's like, well, way to, way to apologize, but also, you know, stab me in the gut, you know, but it's like, yeah, it's like doing your job. Don't explain everything, man. You know, but yeah, yeah it's, it's, of course then there's the actual, you know, the, then there's one of the, the thing I do appreciate that's never mentioned is how the rest of the cops in this movie keep fucking up Nolte's investigation because they don't recognize him as a cop. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, well, I like that. They, they don't do any, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know you were a cop. No, he gets arrested like twice, I think, in this movie. And then it just turns out that somebody's like, hey, motherfucker's a cop. What are you doing? It's like, oh, I guess we fucked up that chase or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Which I, it is, brings up the whole incompetent policeman troop. <laughs> yep. Yeah, which is, even though it's weird because those dudes are technically still only doing their job, you know? Yeah. <laughs> they are doing their jobs, but they're just, it's poor timing. It's just horrible yeah. timing. <laughs> so, all right, Mike, so how's your beer? So, I put in my third beer, and okay. I'd say I, I have about one and a half in here, so okay. I'd say... I'm about one and a half beers done. Nice, nice, nice. <laughs> but I'm really enjoying it. I'm probably not going to hit all four. See if I can embrace my inner Spicoli and finish at least three while we talk about Fast Times at Ridgemont High. But <laughs> your, your inner Spicoli would have to be high as hell, not drunk. <laughs> well, he does. <laughs> What's his line towards the end? Uh, all I need is some good waves and a solid buzz. <laughs> Well, yeah, but meaning getting high. <laughs> hey, when he's driving the car, he's drinking a beer and getting high. That is true. That is true. Yeah, is true. I think he just embraces partying in general. Oh, yeah. 
It's like suddenly whips out a giant joint to, to really embrace Spider Spicoli. Yeah, there you go. But, uh, but I Westville killed it with this one. Uh, Dev, I wasn't sure about how honey blackberry milkshake would go, but I like it. Nice. Yeah, and my uh my Motorhead Road Crew by Ale Asylum in Madison, Wisconsin is uh, very good. It's going a little bit slower than the other one, but that's probably because of like the the slightly sour taste at the end. I'm not yeah. really able to suck it back, but um, it is quite uh, delicious. So I'm curious. I'm curious. I'm going to push this cup to the limits that it has not been pushed before. I'm going to put the uh -oh. beer in and <gasps> oh, see how no. it. Oh just no! Just see how this rolls. This is the first. Uh, this is the first, people, ladies and gentlemen. You are hearing it first. For our listeners, the pouring will be a little bit of ASMRs to you. Enjoy. <laughs> okay. Okay. I don't hear shit. Really? I don't hear shit. <laughs> it's right next to the microphone as I'm filling it up. But all right, I, I well, apologize if you were hoping for ASMR there. <laughs> well, maybe well, the maybe something the... while I drink. <laughs> right. Yes, Mike is now drinking his beer out of his cauldron, and it is gold and brown, and he looks very satisfied drinking. It is quite filled. <laughs> He's quite filled up. <laughs> oh, no, I said you got to pop, pop the peas in the tea. You're like, the cauldron is good to go, and he filled it really well. <laughs> when I am editing this episode, I'm going to be really confused about why it suddenly gets quiet. <laughs> Right, they just gotta like, remember. Oh, yeah, we had a sudden ASMR thing. ASMR no period. Besides, I wanted it. Right, you gotta go ASMR. You gotta get a highlight or something. Like, do not delete. <laughs> <laughs> but, but uh, all right. So now we're on to Fast Times at Ridgemont High, directed by Amy Heckerling, Ridgemont. who <laughs> who also did Johnny Dangerously, European Vacation, Look Who's Talking, Look Who's Talking Too, and of course, Clueless. <laughs> uh, we gotta talk about Johnny Dangerously sometime. Johnny Dangerously, if I remember correctly, that's Keaton, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's Keaton. Well, we'll talk about Keaton coming up. But, um, but yeah, it's, yeah, again, for people who were listening to our first episode, or Two episodes ago, it might have been Keanu Recommends, where I kind of ran through the rando list of movies that we were doing. I mentioned that we will be talking about Jeff Bridges' movie, which would have been Tron, but then I realized we probably talked about that more with uh, the Jeff Bridges episode, so I decided we'd swap it out for a good uh, good 1982's Keaton comedy, which is kind of an off-the-wall comedy, so I figured we'd, uh, sw we'd swap in Night Shift, which is what we thought. I think next week is what we'll be talking about that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that's a good one. But, yeah, Giant Dangerously, I I. That's is that um what's his name in there? Uh speaking of Eddie Murphy, him and um the dude from Saturday Night Live, the fucking he's not funny, but he loves Frank Sinatra and thinks he's fucking Frank Sinatra. I forget. Whoever somebody's probably screaming at their uh phone or radio or whatever they're listening to this on now. So but, um, your big name Piscopo, uh, is it Piscopo? Yeah, Piscopo. That's Piscopo. the one. Yeah, that dude sucks, but yeah, and spoiler alert, liking Frank Sinatra is not a personality. You also get Peter Boyle in that movie. Oh, there you go. That kind of brings it up a little bit. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, but I mean, this is Heckerling. Like, obviously, this is her most legendary. Oh, yeah. I would say. But I would say Clueless is probably number two. Yeah. You know, Clueless is such a great movie, too. But that's, it's, if we ever do like a 90s month, 
that's going to have to be a number one, you know, because that is like one of the most nineties movies ever. <laughs> like it's we're talking funny, a lot about. You brought up Look Who's Talking. Have I ever told you I'm named after the baby in Look Who's Talking? That is how I got the name Mikey. No, but now <laughs> that I know, <laughs> it is amazing. <laughs> so, story time. Neither of my parents wanted to name me Mike. <laughs> but you and your brother went on a ghost hunt. <laughs> <laughs> my mom wanted to name me Sean. My dad wanted to name me Luke. Okay, you're not a Sean. You're not a Sean. <laughs> I, know I think much. I'm more of a Sean than a Luke. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, but apparently my brother, who is two and a half years older than me, mind you, watched Look Who's Talking and loved it. And he wouldn't stop saying Mikey. And they were like, well, he could already say Mikey. So <laughs> <laughs> Let's make it easy on the older brother. <laughs> he knew something he can already say. <laughs> As opposed to something we want to name our child. Let's go by what our other adults, our other son can actually pronounce. He's already saying Mikey, so why the fuck not? (laughs) I love it. That is great. they weren't watching this you could have been named spicoli <laughs> <laughs> well i hope they my two and a half year old brother wasn't watching this and telling spicoli <laughs> well first of all if my brother could say spicoli they would have been like well he could probably say whatever the fuck anyway so. who knows who knows you know but <laughs> that's that is great i love it that that's hilarious whoo but <laughs> But speaking of, well, this movie, it links to a movie we talked about last week because, um, uh, what's his name? The, uh, the little nerd that's horny for uh, Jennifer Jason Leigh. He works at the movie theater. The movie he's taking tickets for is Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. <laughs> and because uh, I tell you, I hope Dolly Parton's taking a cut of the profits. Giving you a cut of the profits is one of the lines to him. But um, and then, of course, how do we know we're in the 1980s? Other than the soundtrack, we are in the mall. We are hanging out in the mall. That is just a staple of 1980s culture right there. So we are high school kids in 1980s. We, you don't even need much more established than that. Now, if, there, if only there was a rant about respecting the escalator. You're goddamn right. The fucking Easter Bunny or something, you know? Yeah. All I said, the Easter Bunny to Menlo Park Mall was more convincing. He hopped the railing and knocked me down. <laughs> the but, Easter Bunny's not real. <laughs> and over there just a guy in a suit but of course then we're introduced to um damone who played by robert romanis which is it's okay let's go over the cast of this movie we got phoebe cates the most famous topless scene in this one and probably all of movie history this is one of the top two creep moments in movie history absolutely i think like, one of the top three because you, you got what uh sharon stone sharon stone sharon stone and, basic instinct yeah basic instinct this, this and uh titanic i would say are the yes. three most famous m- nude scenes in movie history 
Yeah, for yeah, they're definitely up there. I mean, I'm sure Mr. Skin will have uh, when we do our interview with him, he'll yeah. have much more. But <laughs> but or I'm sure some of our creep listeners and I love you guys. You'll probably have you know, some feedback as well, which I welcome. <laughs> All right, I'm not gonna say most I famous, am. but I will say most legendary. Oh, absolutely. Well, this movie is legend is is legendary for being known as having the most paused scene in movie history. And that's because rental stores were getting these tapes back with that part, which comes out of the pool, like fucked up in it, <laughs> you yeah. know? And you could only do that on a VHS that you were constantly stopping, you know? <laughs> so it's like, oh, I think we all know, uh, we can just, we have a literal list of all of the creeps in the town, you know? <laughs> Who <laughs> or the horny teenage kids. <laughs> right, or at least the horny teenage kids, you know? But, okay, so we got Phoebe Cates right there. She does this, doesn't really need to do anything else. She's good to go. Jennifer Jason Lee, great, great in this movie. Again, more nudity from her, too. But she goes on to have a fairly decent career. Um, we get Judd Reinhold, or Judge Reinhold, Beverly Hills Cop, lots of other comedies. Then, of course, the biggest one, well, I'd say one of the biggest ones, the biggest... Um, the biggest uh, ego, I guess I'll say, or the biggest character. Well, I can't even say that. The biggest asshole. There we go. Obviously, Sean Penn. As he's Spicoli. also the biggest success from this movie. Like he is. He's not, though. <laughs> because he's the biggest success of the main cast, I'll say. Okay. Because oh, yeah, there Morris is Whitaker. one gentleman who Morris only Whitaker. has a line or two. No, not Fortis Whitaker. How do you not know who I'm talking about, Mike? Mike, I'm disappointed in you. I'm I'm sad beyond belief. Right oh now. wait, Nicholas Cage. Thank you, you goddamn bastard. No wonder you were named after a talking baby. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot Nicholas Cage. I this was I was like, oh wait, Nicholas Cage was in this. <laughs> as credited as Nicholas Coppola, he was 17 years old in this movie. He technically. Couldn't be in this movie because of labor laws. <laughs> yeah. So he kind of, I think he had to lie to, fight, to like get into it. And of course, he had to use his uncle's connections. But yeah, he is um, one of Judge Reinhold's like wordless friends, essentially. I think he's got two lines. He's got two words that he says. And you don't even see his, his face, really, in this movie. Yeah. But yeah, Nick Cage is Nick Coppola. And then, of course, there's Eric Stoltz, Anthony Edwards as both uh, Spicoli's friends. Forrest Whitaker, you know, another guy who's barely got any lines in this movie, but is still a massive star afterwards. And and he also like that football scene is something else where he's just murdering the other team. Yeah, it's it's a great um cinema like movie football scene where like he's literally breaking every rule of football, causing in like in, like incurring every penalty you possibly could, but yet. We're good with it because he's got to be angry and he's got to be angry about his car, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so his horrific actions on the field are they're kind of washed away in the name of sport, you know? <laughs> but yeah, it's, and it's, and then there's even just the little ones like Amanda Weiss or Amanda Wiss. I can't remember. I think it's Weiss. She plays Lisa. Now she would also be uh, Tina in Nightmare on Elm Street, you know? And speaking of, that movie and then poltergeist we'd failed to mention that the 80s had a great thing going with horror movies with ghosts either sl like slinging half-naked women around rooms 
or they were having sex with people like in Ghostbusters. So something was going on with ghosts in the 80s, you know, or spirits in the 80s. <laughs> well, that's, that's exemplified in Scary Movie 2 when the, when uh, she, I, the girl wants to have sex with the ghost again. He's like, you gave me crabs. Right, exactly. But, you know, it's, it's shit like that. But in this movie, there's so many people in it that just became either 80s stars or just like so much bigger than their roles in this where it's like the main cast to have Robert Romanus be Damone and have a fully realized character arc in this movie knowing full well that this was the last time anybody gave a shit about him and Nicolas Cage has like one word and he's one of the most household names you have in Hollywood you know now I would put this movie in my top 10 favorite comedies this movie it's, makes my yeah, top 10 favorite comedies it's absolutely up there it's it's so good there's Especially if you're going to go for Judge Reinhold's character. He's got some great, like, just little one-liners. And just his arc as, like, bouncing from fast food joint to fast food joint. And what, like, seeing that as his, like, springing off as, like, to be a successful man later in life. You know, it's kind of like, that was the 80s. You could have that dream in the 80s, you know? Yeah. (laughs) You absolutely could have that dream in the 80s. Yeah, if you were... time at a Wawa and became a part owner of the store you now you'd be making good money <laughs> right exactly but and of course then there's you know we gotta talk about it. we gotta talk about Spicoli because Sean Penn and like we said in this one as opposed to Nick Nolte Sean Penn in his original form he is somehow though still really weird looking like as a young man he was a weird looking guy and as he got older, he almost grew into being a human, you know? Because yeah. like when you look at Spicoli in this movie, you're like, there's something wrong with your face. Like, there's just something wrong with it, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so when you look at, like, weathered Sean Penn now, you're kind of like, all right, this is an adult man, <laughs> you know? It's like, <laughs> I don't know what happened to get him away from Spicoli, but I'm glad it did because now he looks real. <laughs> you know, I've been thinking about that. And if I'm here... And you're here. Doesn't that make it our time? <laughs> right. Orders the pizza into the class. All right. Which, then I do have a I have an issue with that. Because the guy comes in, who ordered the double cheese with sausage? And then they show the pizza. And it is a fucking plain pizza without even extra cheese on it. Yeah, there's no sausage on the thing, is there? No. Nah. No. Yeah. yeah, Taylor Negron, uh, RIP. I think he just died as well. He's the pizza delivery guy. But, yeah, and, okay, then there's Mr. Hand, who, again, played, I think it was my favorite Martian or whatever. It's the the TV show he was on or something. But he is just flat-out psychotic. Just based off of one action, it's not even him being pissed off about Spicoli being late. Every teacher would be mad about that or the pizza thing, whatever. It's the fact that when he hands back tests, he does so and reads the grade yeah. out loud. You fucking asshole. <laughs> God, you suck, dude. That's the worst thing you can do as a teacher. What a dickhead move. <laughs> God, I so for those who don't know, for a period, I was a history teacher. <laughs> yes. 
Yes, he was. Now he's a professional ghost hunter. If we did that and we got observed doing that or that got back to the office, we'd be in a lot of trouble. Yeah, I'd say you'd be instantly fired, probably. <laughs> no, 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 no. The school system's not that good. <laughs> oh, well, never mind then. <laughs> never mind. It's not as grave a threat as I thought it would be. <laughs> yeah, no, I, you see, was, <laughs> they haven't even replaced me. I had to give 60 days notice when I quit the school I was w- working at, and they still have not found a full-time replacement for me. So if they fired someone on the spot, you would have, like, three months of a sub <laughs> yeah that's what they had them long-term subs for but i mean obviously it happens sometimes like if yeah. they find out you're fucking a student you're well, kind yeah. of fired on the spot but yeah okay so yeah so maybe you'd be uh you'd be talked to for a little while and you'd have to probably publicly apologize because nowadays that's what you have to do you have to apologize to the pope <laughs> and you have to go to the vatican you have to reform you have to renounce satan and all that and then you might be able to get your job back in the united states but in the 80s in 1982 it was more like it was probably like oh he's just a he's a tough teacher yeah no man that is fucking psychotic (laughs) never mind the fact of showing up in spicoli's house randomly that you would probably get fired for showing up at the house (laughs) right no but then again we gotta take into mind this is the 80s where Anything goes, you know, (laughs) fucking wild west of a decade. But yeah, that really were the if you're time traveling, time traveling back to the wild west would not be the wild west. Time traveling to the 80s would be the wild west. Just going around, like seeing the shit that was going on in the just the country, I'll say, like seeing the shit that was going around the United States was it, it was crazy. It was crazy as hell. Like, little shit and i know i've seen like you've seen the meme or the joke online where it's like in elementary school they really had us eating this at uh at like 11 at like 10 30 morning for lunch it's like milk and pizza and then gym class right after that you know it's like it's like yeah that's kind of how school was scheduled back then you know you just had your time whenever and then they expected you to run in your fucking street clothes a couple laps around the around the um, track and then you come back and you'd be sitting in math you know it's like that was school then arnold schwarzenegger was like hey maybe we should purposely make them work out for half an hour and we'll call it the presidential success scholars list or some shit like oh okay and then you just figure oh it's the 80s you're 18 go ahead and drink it's legal we won't change it to 21 until like the 90s or some shit like that but it's like <laughs> this in the 80s were a time awesome. where it's like look totally awesome totally awesome but like th- the 80s were just such a weird fucking time because teachers could do shit like mr hand does and people would justify it as oh he's making him a better student like spicoli does learn after that little get together yeah but he shows up unannounced at his house to be like, Hey, I'm going to teach you, you know, and we're going to do this for as long as it takes. He said, cause he says, it looks like you wasted eight hours of my time. So if hand was a dick, he would take eight hours out of Spicoli's life just then, you know, but he doesn't, he gives him like an hour and a half or whatever it is. And there's so many, so many parts of that where Spicoli's dad or mom or somebody should have been like, 
hello police <laughs> school board yeah one of your teachers is randomly at my house and won't leave until he teaches my son history <laughs> can we get him i don't know <laughs> removed <laughs> can we put him somewhere that's not my son's bedroom with the door closed <laughs> what the fuck is happening here even like even in classrooms now it's Saying students can't eat in class is kind of frowned upon. Right. Because everyone's a everyone's a fragile snowflake that needs to do whatever they want for their own emotional well-being. And <laughs> if you infringe upon that, you're the devil. You need to go to the you need to go to the Vatican. You need to apologize to the Pope. You need to atone. You need to, you know, berate yourself and do all the flagellation, self-flagellation and everything. And then you need then, to do the uh, the shame walk while a nun follows you and split exactly you with holy water. Exactly. And then when you come back, you still need to publicly apologize on uh, Good Morning America, I believe it is. I think you have to hit CNN and Fox News both. Um, you have to do everything possible. You have to set up a GoFundMe page to get your um, travel reimbursements done. But at the same time, you have to make it look like you're curing uh, cancer or something. You have to do everything possible to make you it look like you have to write your easy. own memoirs with all the profits going to a charity organization of CNN's choice. Yeah, or the victim's choice or um, or the kid that you told to not chew in your class. Um, they get to pick whatever charity it is and that charity is going to be um, them. So you just have yeah. to give them the proceeds because they've been emotionally traumatized by all of this stuff, by not being told not to chew so loud in a class. And you should definitely be fired and have your life ruined because of that. Because as we all know, teachers nowadays are the devil and they should be treated as scum of the earth. <clears throat> Because kids are, they can't do anything wrong. Kids, kids are right all the time. Of course they are. Why, why wouldn't they be? <laughs> and they can see ghosts. They can see ghosts. <laughs> and their dogs can see ghosts. And God damn it, if you put them on the floor, they'll slide across. Make sure you put a helmet on them. <laughs> but, if you put them on the floor, ghosts will play shuffleboard with them. <laughs> right, exactly. It's right. entertaining to watch. I highly recommend it. <laughs> Right. But if you did that in a classroom, on the other hand, good luck. Good luck being a normal functioning member of society after that. <laughs> but it's, I mean, it's just so, it's so weird. Like this, the school aspect of it. But then there's the social aspect of this movie where everyone, everyone is horny as fuck all the time because it's 1982 and you're in high school. <laughs> Which, the testosterone be, hormones are off the charts. <laughs> to be fair, I would say everyone in high school, every high school student is horny as fuck all the time is much more accurate to the modern sentiment of no one in high school is horny as fuck any of the time. Right, exactly. It's like, I <laughs> like they, the spectrum is way closer to 100% than it is to 0%. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like Fucking hormones, man, and puberty. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's like we, it, the biology hasn't changed. <laughs> you know the biology has not changed it's it's the who they're horny for part might be a little more might be a little different but the <laughs> horniness is still there you know and puberty you know, does not change over time <laughs> no it's like whether you're horny for a, a girl horny for a guy or vice versa or guy guy girl girl it doesn't matter anymore but the horniness is still absolutely there so when this <laughs> movie with jennifer jason lee when she goes from asking phoebe cates how to give a blowjob 
to essentially fucking everything that moves. It's 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 weird, <laughs> but at the same time, it kind of makes sense because she's like owning it. She's like, I am horny. I want to get laid. I'm doing this shit. And when she sits down with Nerdlinger from the movie theater, she sits down in her robe on her bed with no parents to be found. And she just looks at him and goes, so what do you want to do? And he essentially pulls the, uh, uh, like, I don't know. It's like, well, you should already be fucking, you know? (laughs) She gave you the green light, dude. (laughs) Just double green. Might as well be on her back with her legs spread, kind of green light there, you know? (laughs) But it's it, it cracks me up. And it's so fun to see, like, a girl be that in a movie. Yeah. As opposed to the horny dude, you know? Like, she's the one we're focusing on here, not him, really. Doesn't anyone knock? Right. Now, do you know the story behind that scene? No. I I probably have heard it, but... Okay, so obviously right before that is the dream sequence where Reinhold um, dreams that Phoebe Cates takes her top off and comes out of the pool and, you know... Comes out of the pool, takes the top off, and makes Alan. Now, he's jerking off in the bathroom in the reality of the movie. She gets water in her ear after coming out of the pool, and she goes inside to, uh, I think it's like peroxide or something she's looking to get. He's jerking off the bed. She opens the door, and the look on Phoebe Cates' face is fucking priceless. She gets this, like, absurd frown of disgust on her face that is so beautiful. It's, a, it's incredible. Because apparently Judge Reinhold had an actual like 12 inch dildo in his hand that he was like doing the motions with and like actually pantomiming. She didn't know about that though. (laughs) So when she walked in and saw that, that is the real look of disgust and freaked out weirdness on Phoebe Cates' face. (laughs) And I will give all the credit in the world to Amy Hackerling for being like, yes, do that. I'm filming it. We are not we are not gonna take this again. Whatever comes on Phoebe's face, that's what I'm using. And it was gold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this movie is just gold. I fucking love it this movie. It's so good. And of course, one of my favorite lines is it's not even like it's just a random almost throwaway line. It's when Spicoli and um Whitaker's brother are driving the car. Yeah. And Spicoli just says, people on lewd should not drive. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. It's it's such a great line and just such a casual delivery of it. (laughs) And of course they crash. This movie takes me back to my freshman year of college when me and my buddy Kyle would hang out. It's like early in freshman year. We're freshman guys. We haven't gotten like invited to parties necessarily yet. So we'd go to our local drug dealer, we'd pick up some weed, we'd have a little L walk, go walk around, smoke it, come back, and we'd watch fucking Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Or one time we ended up watching um, <laughs> No Country for Old Men for some reason. We decided that was a good movie to watch. No, no, <laughs> not a good high movie at all. <laughs> but Fast Times at Ridgemont High was. <laughs> better choice much better choice yeah (laughs) this week has been story time with mike (laughs) (laughs) i'm 
mostly just picturing you being like stoned out of your mind watching No Country for Old Men. Fucking Anton Chigurh like flipping a coin. Yeah. Like, Dude, that scene, me and, and you like were like freaking out. <laughs> like, oh my me god, we're glued down. to the screen, wide eyed, and we're, we're like, call it. We're like, what the, what the fuck? What's he gonna do? And this is, the first, this is the first time we had both seen the movie. <laughs> <laughs> are there more options than heads or tails what the fuck is gonna happen here man <laughs> did it land it. on its side what the fuck i'm losing my mind i am losing my mind <laughs> you better get it right he better get it right <laughs> old man fucking call it <laughs> right just come on dude damn it <laughs> so he's gonna shit <laughs> he's gonna kill us well which one's he gonna do he's gonna shit or he's gonna kill us he's gonna shit and then he's gonna kill us <laughs> <laughs> But oh man, it's yeah. Which I will say, Spicoli, bravo on the plan on getting out of destroying the car. You want to talk about outside the box thinking? That is that, and he's and think about the the state of mind that he is in to think about that too. He is a self-professed man on loose, you know, (laughs) and he's high out of his mind, possibly drunk as well, and he's possibly sipping a beer as he's well. That could have very well been the only beer he had that day. We don't know. We know that he has smoked and he's on loads, though. We also know what Spicoli's like. <laughs> right. We also know Spicoli. So he's definitely at least very hot. You yeah. know? But solid, I would imagine solid, solid crossfade going on. Absolutely. Absolutely. But yeah, I, love, he, I love the little brother's arm. He's like, you're going to scratch my brother's car. No, I'm not. This this discussion is happening immediately after he drives between two cars and bounces against one a couple times. Yeah, he, he has already scratched your brother's car. <laughs> he's not going to. He's town. already done it. He is, but when he gets back. <laughs> right. So it's got so funny. But uh, well, then of course there's you know, the uh, speaking of that, uh, Forrest Whitaker wants Earth, Wind, and Fire tickets from Damone, yeah. who's like the ticket scalper du jour of the uh, the school. Van Halen tickets in the first ten rows are twelve dollars and fifty cents. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Fuck nineteen eighty two and it's goddamn pricing. <laughs> you couldn't get a beer at a Van Halen concert nowadays for twelve fifty, let alone a ticket in the front row. <laughs> now I did see Van Halen for free once. <laughs> I mean, that's a possibility, I guess. <laughs> we got for, we got free lawn tickets at uh, BB&T. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Was it with Gary Sharon? <laughs> it was with David Lee Roth. But that, like, the reunited tour or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but. but, yeah, that's a... It's, I also love the scene where the guy's like, do you know what 100% guaranteed, you know what guaranteed means more? He's like, how about I 100% guarantee I put my foot in your ass? <laughs> yeah, it's... Oh, you know that thing everyone in the food industry wants to say to that asshole of a guest? Fuck that guy, that fucking Karen. Yeah. Oh, yeah, first of all, if I'm fired because of that guy in front of him and he gets that little smirk on his face... Guess what? I'm no longer an employee of this restaurant, asshole. I can fuck you up with without a problem now. <laughs> now I just gotta worry about the cops. <laughs> I'm not even gonna get arrested for it. Yeah, the cops got better things to worry about. <laughs> you know, me <laughs> fucking you up and it's been uh, for breakfast in this fast food joint. At the but, very least, I'm grabbing the ketchup bottle and spraying it all over your face. Yeah, what's what's the worst? I'm going to get fired again? <laughs> you know, you're going to fire me more? I don't think so. You've been arrested for assault with ketchup. Right. 
I do. I do love when he bangs on the door. Look at a good piss. Yeah. <laughs> I also now to be fair, he's like he's talking to the mirror. I was going to break up with his girlfriend. He's like, I'm a successful man. <laughs> yeah, it's and and then she breaks up with him, which is yeah. just perfect. It's so good. His whole arc is great. Like he starts top of the world and essentially ends up like. Lower lowest pervert on the chain, <laughs> you know, at least in Phoebe, Phoebe Gates's mind. <laughs> until he catches, until he catches the uh, this robber, and then he's awesome, totally awesome. awesome. That robber also uh, play would go on to play Michael Tandino in uh, Beverly Hills Cop, but uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's so good, just such a great movie. It's 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 and it's the, the, speaking of if it's hold if it's held up, there's only one line. That doesn't really hold up, and it's in Spicoli's dream. Dream, yeah. Where he goes, those guys are fags. You know, it's like, yeah, that, that doesn't hold up. <laughs> you know, that doesn't hold up at all. <laughs> you change that to those guys suck. Right. That's all you need to do. You know. Well, like it's yeah, it's like come on, man. It's like you're gonna you're gonna drop the hard f on us like that. What's the matter with you? <laughs> or even like those guys are pussies. That yeah. doesn't hold up entirely, but it's still. It's 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 still said today in the same yeah. context, you know. It's yeah. it's you're not dropping the f bomb on them, but it's like, come on, we're done. But yeah. even that, but even the rest of it is still like classic high school sex comedy stuff. You know, it's yeah. it's almost it's relatable on a level everyone can get. It's not like and euphoria. it's I mean it's <laughs> even progressive where it's like the girls are the more yeah. sexual beings in the movie the more the if anything the aggressors really yeah. you know it's it's not like uh it's not like euphoria where it's like At everyone least, everyone's yeah. on drugs and fucking everybody or whatever the fuck yeah. that shows about I'm, I'm not creepy enough to watch that show <laughs> so I, I go by what i've heard and from what i've heard it's not really what high school is about anymore <laughs> it's kind of like <laughs> hbo high school <laughs> yeah so that's been fast times mike where can people find us on the internet so you can find us on social media at Happy Hour Films Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. You want to talk to Ross, go to Facebook. You want to talk to me, go to Instagram. Give us a like, give us a follow, all that jazz. Um, yes, if you want to listen to us talk about movies that are as old as Ross, <laughs> you can find us on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts, on Overcast, and just about anywhere else you get your podcasts from. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. I'm old. I dig it. These movies rule. Fuck it. Fucking January, uh, I should have looked up movies that turned 25. I wonder wonder what 1997 had to offer the world. (laughs) Oh, I bet there was some good shit in 97. 97 was probably a good year. It was probably a good year and also a horrible year. (laughs) I bet there was some horrible shit in there. But, um, yeah, all right. So, but next week we will, all right, we're going to, like we mentioned, we're going to get into a night shift with uh, Keaton and, um, Henry Winkler, where they have a prostitution ring running out of a uh, city morgue. But um, oh, we had Batman and Robin from '97. Oh, there you go. That's a classic. That's one of the better perfect ones. blue. There you go. That's that was a good element. One. Yep, Fifth Element. Yep. Devil's Advocate. Goodwill Hunting. <laughs> yes, there you go. So we have yeah, all these movies we've already talked. Scream about. Two. Oh yeah, we didn't quite talk about Scream Two. We talked about the Liar other. Liar. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, I know what you did last summer. Oh, Cube. 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 
Yeah. Nice. Uh, Princess Mononoke. Okay, yeah, all these we've already all talked about. We've already Contact. covered 1997. <laughs> yeah, we, we... All right, so the original yeah. Spawn. No, yeah, we haven't talked about that one. We, fuck, we might... We might talk about it, though, coming up, because that's probably... um. That's probably pretty bad on the Rotten Tomato scale, I bet. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Yeah. So, any other... Uh, Austin Powers International Man of Mystery. Uh, the one that started it all. Lovely. <laughs> Starship Troopers. Great one. Uh, Chasing Amy. We talked about it. <laughs> yeah. Vegas Vacation. Okay, that's it. Yeah, that one's a decent one. That's it's better than European vacation. Men in Black. There you go. Talked about it. <laughs> oh yeah, so we would have had uh, Jurassic, the Jurassic Park, Lost, the world. Lost world. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so we- it turns out we talked about most of the things that were Shaq Steel. We've never talked about Shaq Steel. Oh. <laughs> I don't think we need to either. I don't think anyone needs to talk about that. that movie. Mr. Bean the movie. Oh, yeah. I wonder how well that holds up. Mortal Kombat <laughs> Annihilation. There you go. That's a classic. We might actually, that's actually. A that's classic. one we can, I, I had considered talking about. We have, that's we have, a, we have, a, we have a, a theme coming up where that might fit right in. But um, as opposed to what we'll be talking about next week. So like I said, we're talking about Night Shift next week. And then, uh, we're also going to be talking about the OG Rambo, a.k.a. First Blood, and then um, the other OG Conan movie, Conan the Bar, Conan the Barbarian, um, that stars my man Arnie. We talked about it a little during our Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, week, but we're going to get into it this time, and that movie's so good. I haven't seen it quite in some time, but it's so good, just like First Blood. First Blood's so good, too. But uh, nice, just a good little breakup of those two movies. But um, until that time, when we talk about those three movies next week, I have been Ross Bacon. I've been Mike McGuigan. And we'll see you guys next time. So long.